You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Alex Barallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. This is Alex Rallo joined with Dylan Terriman. Dylan, how are we doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing well, man. We're inching closer. I think we're within the 30-day mark of the NFL draft, so we got a lot of good news and notes related to the draft, and maybe a little uh, surprise two-round mock at the end of this thing, so I'm excited. Yes, indeed. Spoiler alert. Tonight's episode, Jet Nation Mock Draft 1.0. We're just going to dip our toes into the mock draft pool, Um, but we also have a couple topics that we'd like to get to tonight before Dylan and I release our picks. Uh, We also have a special episode that we are currently working on with Mr. Glenn Naughton himself. Uh, More details to follow on that, possibly later this week, maybe next week. Uh, so stay tuned and, and look for some updates from JetNation.com on the Glenn Naughton special episode. Okay, so I'm going to go right into the topics tonight, Dylan. Looks like what we have in store tonight is there's been some rule changes in the NFL that we'd like to talk about. Uh, Robert Sala had a pretty lengthy uh, press conference on Monday. There was a couple things that he said that piqued our interest, so we're going to dive into that as well tonight. Uh, we also have a new player in which we signed, and then we're going to close it out with our mock draft. So, yeah, the other I think it was just yesterday uh, they had announced that they've come to terms on making a new overtime rule, and uh, this is pretty cool here. So uh, let me quickly read out what I have here. Okay, so the old ways, um, more or less, it was like the there was a coin toss by the visiting team, uh, and pretty much whoever got the ball, there was a very, very good chance that they would score, and it was sudden death, and that would be the game, and the opposing team would never get an opportunity to touch the football. They've changed that now. So at the end of uh, regulation, They do the coin toss just as they normally would with the visiting team. Uh, There's no more than one 15-minute period to follow a three-minute intermission, and each team must possess the ball. That's the biggest change there. So if the team that gets the ball first goes down the field and puts up a touchdown, the opposing team gets an opportunity to try to score and tie the game. Sudden death will be in play when the game ends on any score, safety, field goal, or touchdown, and that will continue until until there's a winner determined. Um, Each team gets two timeouts. The point after try is not attempted if the game ends on a touchdown. And if the score is still tied at the end of the overtime period, the result of the game will be considered a tie. Um, There are no instant replay coaching challenges, and all reviews will be initiated by – the replay official. So a lot has changed here. Um, I think it's going to be good because it it gives both teams the opportunity to try to to win the game. And uh, 
it should add for, you know, more exciting football when overtime comes. So, Dylan, right off the bat, what do you think about the new rules, and uh, did the NFL get it right? Well, I'm not sure I even got it right because you threw me for a loop. I thought the rule change was only for overtime. So if it's for all the games, regular season included, I think that's a game changer. Um, I had notes up for it only being in the playoffs. So I was going to say it didn't even affect the Jets and come in with that take. Um, But as far (laughs) as that, I mean, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a good thing now. I mean, I think the Jets had two or three overtime games last year. And I think they ended up winning both of them. I believe the Bengals went into overtime and the Titans. No, the Titans did. I don't know if the Bengals did. But either way, I think the Jets will obviously – I think all teams really would benefit from this rule just because it's such an offensive-driven league. I think the the main game that pushed for this change was obviously the Bills and the Chiefs in the playoff game where Patrick Mahomes got the ball, the the whole Grim Reaper thing, and the Bills never saw the field ever again. That was the end of their season. And – of course, Jets fans, were we were so happy in the moment. But at the same time, like, to put it into, like, full perspective of the league, like, it's just – it's not fair that they're putting so much precedent on offense and making that the rule where both offenses can't touch the ball. So, I think it's definitely a game changer. Um, the Jets should should benefit from it because we at least get, get to try. I mean, our defense couldn't stop a nosebleed last year. So, if we lost the coin toss in overtime, I'm not sure how that would go down. But – I think overall it's a good thing for the, for all teams involved. And I'll add this too, is that there is an adjustment to the overtime rule for postseason games where at the end of the 15 minute period, um, the game will not go to a tie because somebody's got to win in postseason. So they will continue right. to play until another team scores. And then that'll be considered sudden, sudden death. So um, there is a little bit of a change for postseason compared to regular season, but it, you know, they pretty much set this up so that each team gets a try and uh, there's going to be a victor, you know, more or less. Um, you know, maybe we do happen to see one or two ties this year. Should be interesting, should be fun. I personally like uh, college, you know, over time, and I think that's, you know, pretty exciting. I was kind of hoping that they mm-hmm. would do something like that. But, you know, NFL wants to have their own brand, their own, you know, style to this whole thing. So uh, very interesting, pretty cool new overtime rules. I think this is something that a lot of people have been talking about for the last few years that needed to be adjusted. And, uh, you know, the NFL and um, I guess the owners or whatever meeting they had, you know, they all came to terms on this. So that's definitely very cool. Okay. So um, now we're going to go on to our next segment here and we have a new player, uh, a new jet defensive lineman was signed this week, uh, former third round pick Solomon Thomas from the San Francisco 49ers. If I'm not mistaken, I think he um, was a free agent last year, and I was advocating for the Jets to go get him with the Sala connection, but they didn't do it. So I kind of figured, all right, maybe there's something that we don't know. You know, Sala had eyes on him, and it didn't work out in San Francisco. Why would he bring him to New York? Um, I think he was was a Raider last year, and then uh, finds himself in free agency again. And uh, Jets have been relatively quiet, but they go ahead and they offer him a one-year deal, and uh, we have a new trenchman to add to our defensive line. Um, I like the pick. I know, uh, you know, Glenn was uh, a little, uh, you know, undecided on on how he felt about it because, you know, a third overall pick not really reaching his ceiling. Maybe there's something alarming there. 
but, you know, second chance with Robert Sala here. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he could bring to this table. Um, you need trench guys and, uh, you know, a six foot three, 280 pounder to throw into the mix with the rest of the guys that we have in here. Uh, I like it. Uh, so Dylan, your thoughts on Solomon Thomas. Yeah. Um, you hit the nail right on the head. We, I believe I was also advocating for Solomon Thomas to be one of the, the 49er imports when Robert Stahl came last year. And I had to do a little bit of research, but it was right. I was right. In 2020, when San Francisco came to New York uh, in week two, uh, Solomon Thomas tore his ACL and he had missed the whole season. He only played 49 defensive snaps for the Niners that year. And that was my hesitation. I was like, oh, is this guy going to want to come to MetLife and play on the turf where he tore his ACL? So I was surprised by the signing just for that aspect. But I'm glad that it it happened ultimately. It kind of reminds me of the Sheldon Rankins uh, signing last year, like late March after like free agency kind of died down. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think he's going to have the impact of a Sheldon Rankins. And I think the the deal that they gave him surely shows that because they gave Rankins nearly 15 over two years and – uh, we haven't seen the contract details on Thomas yet, but his last deal last year was for one year, three and a half million with the Raiders. So I don't think he'll be coming in for much more than that, if at all. He could be even cheaper. So I think it's a very low cost uh, signing for Robert Sala. Get somebody he's familiar with back in the room. Played for basically three years with him. Was there for four years with him. So familiar face. I think it's just depth at this point. They could still use one in the draft, interior and exterior. We've talked about it at length. So ultimately a good signing and another veteran that they add to their group because they're still a young team ultimately. Yep. Uh, You know, he's 26 years old. Um, He's hitting that prime window, you know, good point. Um, He hit a speed bump in his career uh, with the knee injury. So, you know, some players bounce back fast. Some players just don't come back as quickly from that. And uh, clearly, you know, that slowed him down a little bit. We're assuming that they've, the Jets have done their research and he's healthy so uh, he's uh, – I'm trying to look to see if there's any um, info on his contract here. Going to uh, spot track here. Mm-hmm. It I wasn't able to find anything earlier today. Maybe one but... year, three and a half million. That could be old news maybe from last year. I thought I saw something one year for five million. So we're anticipating anywhere between – a one-year deal from $3.5 million to about $5 million. I'm going to go with the lower mm-hmm. end on this one. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, 26-year-old player, um, another big body guy to throw in the mix. This gives the Jets flexibility. Um, I think a lot of people expected Tom, Thomas to be a uh, edge, you know, pass-rushing defender. Um, I think one of his comments he meant the other day is that he likes playing inside rather than playing outside. So that's kind of a good fit for us here with losing um, Fularonzo Fadakasi. Uh, we brought back Nate Shepard, and we've had Nate on the team for a good you know, few years. You know, good player, not great, um, but I do think there's more upside with Solomon Thomas over Shepard, and you, you put Rankins in the mix. Um, I know John Franklin Myers can kick inside sometimes too. Uh, but now, you know, JFM, Thomas, Rankins, Shepard, Quinnen Williams, uh, you know, you can't forget about Carl Lawson coming back. We're hoping he's going to be healthy. Um, Bryce Huff, another man, 
you know, to throw into the mix. You know, Hamilcar, you know, Jeff's got about eight trench guys that they can mix and match, you know, different combinations with to keep the offense guessing. Uh, I think the defensive line is going to be very much improved for this upcoming season. And, uh, you know, curious on how this is going to affect the draft as well, because a lot of the players and positions that we were thinking the Jets were going to, you know, target in April, looks like they're already starting to bring in bodies at those position spots already. Uh, But you still never know. Um, You know, as they say, you can never have enough pass rushers. Uh, And, uh, you know, there were some comments that were also made in Salah's press conference that we'll get into later on uh, that alludes to uh, that you can never get enough, uh, you know, pass rushers. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really good fit. You know, clearly still um, some needs at the second level in the linebacker position, and I don't think the Jets are done with their defensive backs as well. So still a lot of work, but not as much as we anticipated maybe a few weeks ago. So uh, Jets started off with some offense early on in free agent frenzy. Now they're focusing a little bit more on the defense, balancing things out, and uh, it gives them a lot of opportunity to bring in some blue-chip talent uh, come April. And I'm definitely excited about that. But uh, while I was talking about some things that Robert Sala was saying, um, Dylan, you had the transcripts on Robert Sala's press conference, and he he had mentioned quite a few um, things that were quite alarming. Uh, He talked about a little bit about Tyreek Hill and that trade situation that went down that we, uh, you know, people say we whiffed on. Um, He talked a little bit about him and Joe Douglas throwing fisticuffs. And then you got um, a little bit talk about some position changes that we were not anticipating. You know, we always seem to assume that we know what's going on in uh, Florham Park. But then, you know, these guys come out and they say, you know, I don't know if they're leaking information, but the Jets seem to be pretty brutally honest um, as of late to where, you know, in the past we've seen them be a little bit more tight-lipped and not, you know, give us little tidbits that, put us down, you know, this rabbit hole of assuming things. So, uh, Dylan, I'm going to throw it over to you. Tell us what you came away with from Robert Sala's press conference, and what did he say that stood out? Yeah, the first one is definitely the uh, position change. Jets fans love to think that we all have it all figured out, and then, like always, they come in and surprise us. So, um, Robert Sala did confirm that newly acquired uh, guard Lakin Tomlinson is going to be staying at left guard, his position that he's played all throughout his professional career. He did play right guard in college, but he's going to be staying at left guard and that AVT will be moving over to right guard. And his exact quote was, Lakin has been in the league for a long time, playing left guard for a very long time. AVT has shown flexibility in college. He played tackle. He played guard. He's got tremendous flexibility and he's still a young pup. There's a lot of things we can that he can learn. I really think the dynamic of our offensive line will work really well with those, especially on the interior. We got a really good one. So ultimately it just breaks down to AVT is the younger player who probably has more upside, more flexibility, like he alluded to, and he can swap over to the right side and really not miss a step. It might take him, you know, a couple reps, maybe a game or two in the preseason if he plays, 
to actually figure it all out, but it's it's not it's not as hard as everybody makes out to be. And I know I gave people a lot of crap for it on Twitter saying that Lakin Tomlinson could move over because he is a vet and he is experienced. But at the same time, it makes sense to do it this way. So I have no problems either way. I think if Mekhi Becton ultimately ends up playing right tackle, you still have AVT and Becton side by side, which is what Jets fans ultimately want. So if you have one side of veterans and one side of, younger upside guys, that's cool. The right side could be just as strong as the left side. There's no no arguments there for me. Yeah, you know, that was probably the most alarming thing that came out of this. And, you know, it's funny, the day that he signed, you know, Jets fans are going out there and it's like, yeah, you know, now we, we're going to plug him on the right side and he's going to deal with it and uh, ABT is going to stay where he's at. And then Salah comes out and says, you know what, we're doing the exact opposite and uh like you said it, it makes a lot of sense if a guy has experience and he plays a particular position well and that's what he does best that's what coaching is all about you put your players in the best position for them to succeed and that will benefit mm-hmm. your team you know on the large scheme so you know speaking about how great of a player avt already is and can be this was a guy that played guard in college, moved to tackle, came, comes to the NFL, goes back inside to guard. We're penciling him in as a, you know, potential Pro Bowl left guard for this offensive line. And we just can continue to say, you know what? This kid's so flexible and he's so good. We can put him on the other side, balance out our line. We continue to make a weakness a strength. And... Now, as you said, when we're drawing this thing up, I think you and I are both on the same page here to where we think George Fant had some struggles, not a lot at right tackle, but maybe was not in his comfort zone. Goes over to the left side because of Beckton's injury. He's in his comfort zone. He plays well. Maybe puts up you know, some of the best blocking grades that he's had in his career at left tackle, and it just makes sense. The left side, the blind side, is the most important, you know, spots to keep Zach Wilson healthy and safe. So why not have two season vets that do those things well and keep them together? So this all makes sense to me. I have no problem with it. Um, and AVT is still young enough to where he's a piece of clay that can be molded into what the Jets want him to be. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, they have a plan in place. I like it, and I think it's all going to work out for the best when it's all said and done. Um, Dylan, I know you have some more notes that you want to talk about, but uh, briefly just going to talk about the Tyreek Hill thing here. Um, Mm -hmm. It it, it was intriguing, um, obviously, to bring in a player that is one of the best playmakers in the league, one of the fastest players probably on the planet. Um, They call him the Cheetah for a reason. And uh, $30 million a year? Whew. That is a lot of money for one player, and that can put you in a salary cap bind. So as far as the money was concerned, I wasn't really crazy about that. I like the idea of having a Tyreek Hill playmaker. Um, but when it all was, you know, when all the truth came to the table, he was never coming to the Jets. It was between us and, and Miami. He's a Florida guy. Um, why not go closer to home to where your people are? And, 
yeah, you know, the, people talk about, you know, the, the uh, sales tax that, you know, relief that you get in Florida compared to New York, understand all of that. Um, kind of seemed like an easy decision for him. But the Jets were in the mix. They tried to make a move. I give them credit for that. They couldn't get the deal done. Not going to hold it against them. Um, any thoughts on that Tyreek Hill trade situation, Dylan? Yeah, uh, basically Robert Sala just said, it's football, you win some, you lose some. And unfortunately, that's the reality that Jets fans live in when it comes to free agent acquisitions and trade acquisitions. I think teams or players rather don't opt for the Jets normally. And we're trying to, well, at least Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are trying to get to that point where free agents do want to come and draft picks do want to come. And, you know, everybody just wants to come to New York, but ultimately both of them said it in their pressers. They were, they had to basically convince Tyreek Hill to come, not saying that that is a bad thing and they're pulling the wool over his eyes, but they knew Miami was his destination. That's where he wanted to go. So they really had to be aggressive in their offer, but they were comfortable missing on that offer. So that means potentially better things in the future. I hope. Absolutely. Now, Robert Sala um, had mentioned some things about, you know, Carl Lawson and Zach Wilson, uh, what did our head coach have to say about those players? Yeah, uh, one was really, really intriguing, and one had a little bit of optimism, but a little bit of skepticism included. And uh, I'll let you decide which one's which. So Carl Austin, he said he's doing great, expecting back by training camp. Um, he'll be around the building. They've already been in contact with him face-to-face. Um, he's watching guys on tape that are going to be future draft picks. So he's heavily involved, and they're excited to get him back. Uh, Zach Wilson, it was mainly just as far as his next step in the leap from year one to two. Um, he said he w- loved to see Zach own the playbook at a faster clip. Not that he wasn't typical rookie learning curve. We're really looking for that recall, just the fundamentals, all the different stuff What uh, that we're looking for, excuse me, um, that's all going to come. For OTAs, really looking for him to take that step in the right direction with regards to playbook, football 101, absorbing the scheme so he could play a lot faster. So obviously you can basically tell after hearing the quotes that the Carl Lawson was the optimist one and Zach Wilson mm-hmm. was the kind of skepticist one. Um, not saying that Zach Wilson's in any danger or, his, you know, they're going to draft his replacement, but it, it's all true. We, when, we, when we watched the Jets and we talked about them all season, it was, it was football 101. It was the fundamentals of football that Zach Wilson was just not doing for whatever reason, whether he's playing too fast or he truly just didn't, Grip, grip all the things that that offense asks because it's a very complex offense. It's not a very simple just drop back and throw it type of offense or, you know, shotgun, quick throw offense. It's very, very disguise heavy, and they do a lot of different things that set up different things, like the, the zone rush to the play actions all the time. So it's little things that Zach Wilson needs to learn, and ultimately he, he can get there. They're adding the pieces around him they have all the confidence in the world in him. So Jets fans shouldn't panic on that, even though it wasn't uh, a glowing endorsement. And with Carl Lawson, I mean, that's everything you want to hear. And when, when he put out that video of him on the night he signed and he just said, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 like you, you felt it. You, you really did when he said that, like he has bought in to what is going to happen. And even though he's missed the whole season, it's great to see him every day or at least, you know, from what it seems, every every interval or every, you know, milestone or checkpoint into the offseason, he's looking good. He's ahead of progress. The coaches can't say enough good things about him. So, 
you can basically lump him into the free agent class of 2020, but he's acting like he's been here for five years and he's like doing the things that Jamal Adams was trying to do, like trying to acquire dogs and this and that. Like you could tell Carl mm-hmm. Austin's fully bought into the all gas, no break mentality. And, you know, while we're on the, the edge rushing position here, um, he was asked, Robert Sala was asked about the edge rusher um, in consideration for the draft. And uh, he had some interesting things that he said there. Um, go ahead and break it down, Dylan. Sure. So uh, he and uh, Joe Douglas were both asked. I believe Connor Hughes from The Athletic asked both of them. And he asked Sala first, um, basically, if it came down to offensive linemen or defensive linemen, who, who would win, him or Joe Douglas? Because we know Joe Douglas is a big offensive line guy and Sala is a defensive guy. And he basically said, jokingly, obviously, that they'd have a bare-knuckle boxing match. So you love to see that camaraderie and that, like, that same thought process that, like, they know each other well enough to know that, like, they're going to have to convince each other to go get their guy. But as, as far as the possibility of drafting an edge rusher, Sala said, you guys know me, I've said it before, if we had a fear, fearsome foursome, we'd still want to be adding a pass rusher. And we saw that in uh, San Francisco. Um, it's always going to help. If the opportunity presents itself, we'll get it, but we're not going to force the position either. It's still a really good group. It allows us the ability not to have to force the issue at any of our draft picks. Again, if someone is there, we'll pounce on it. And then Joe Douglas followed up with saying that he thinks regardless if they take offensive or defensive lines, they will both sides of the ball will win. He said basically this game comes down to protecting your quarterback giving him weapons, and then affecting the opposing team's quarterback. Those are the best ways to win. And the best way to oppose, uh, affect the opposing team's quarterback is pass rush. And he said, um, mm-hmm. if you want to take a $30 million wide receiver off the mm-hmm. field, you hit the, quarter, you hit the quarterback. And I was like, oh, that's yep. kind of a shot at Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins. So let's go yep. hit Tua. <laughs> he said, hit him early. Hit him I love that. That's always going to be our belief. Oh, it, it got me fired up. I had to pause the, uh, the press conference and, and really just soak that in. He said, Coach and I really see it the same way. So they're going to get a trench guy, whether it's offensive line, defensive line. They're going to hit it probably early. I'm not sure how early, but they're looking at edge rusher because they – and like you said, they're, they're being honest with themselves. They're looking at themselves in the mirror. They're not trying to pull – like, you know, th- have any smoke screens out there. They know the positions they need to upgrade, and they're not going to – take time in doing these half measures or whatever, you know, they're going to go out and get their guy. So ultimately I'm, I'm excited and I came away really impressed with the draft little notes that we got there. Right on. And, um, you know, that wasn't the only position that he talked about. Salah was asked about, um, you know, Elijah Moore. I know that's one of your favorites on this team. Um, My on, you know, his wide receiver play, your guy inside or outside, we both know he can do it all but he was also asked about wide receiver being a priority for the draft. So why don't you, uh, you know, uh, catch everybody up on, on those comments that Salah had about the wide receiver position and Elijah Moore. Sure. Uh, so he said Elijah has a pretty cool skill set in the sense that he can really rip the top off the coverage and scare people with his speed. That's his superpower. When you get him in the slot, he can still do that, but there's different ways that you've got to use him. There's going to be a whole lot of different things that we try in OTAs along with training camp to make sure that we get the best combination of guys out there. So that was as far as Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, who's playing inside outside. And then as far as the draft goes and adding receiver as a priority, he said, I don't know if it's a priority 
We want to add as many really good players as we can. We've got a lot of draft capital to do that. We have a lot of needs on our football team in terms of just trying to fill some roster voids. I thought we did a good job in free agency. To call it a priority, one over the other, I don't know if I see it that way. I think every position, we're in a good position to take the best players available at every single spot, and that's what we'll do. So, obviously, the draft one, a little bit more coach speak. He he likes the roster, and he knows that there's still voids. Like, obviously, we signed Solomon Thomas to fill some of those voids. But ultimately, he, he knows that the positions that they need to get better at. And we all know wide receiver is the number one, maybe number two position, depending on how you see it. If you want to lean towards helping Zach Wilson immediately on a wide receiver, sure. If you want to, like Joe Douglas said, hit the quarterback, sure. I can see it both ways. So ultimately they're going to get a wide receiver and they're just going to wait for the right opportunity. And then deciding inside or outside, Elijah Moore from that quote, He's not trying to have him inside a lot. Michael Flores is probably not going to play him in the slot a lot. Does that mean he's not going to move around? No, he's going to move around everywhere. He's our best wide receiver on the roster right now. I'm very confident in saying that. This is something when they drafted him, we both, I think all three of us, Glenn included, said by this time next year, everybody's going to be like, damn, Elijah Moore is our best wide receiver. And look what happened. I think you sent in the group chat, Elijah Moore making an Odell Beckham 2014-style catch on the beach, which is really hard to do. And then he jumped in the water and did like a back cannonball. So that's awesome to see. Um, so they like Elijah Moore. They're going to use him in the best way possible. They said it. But inside, primarily, I don't think that's the key. Yeah. I mean, we love to see that stuff. But, Eli, you know, we love you. We got to see you on Sunday come September and throughout all 17 <laughs> weeks of the year. So, uh, you know, let's just, you know, hold that couple of those backflips, if you can, just for, you know, my weak heart. But, um Dylan, I did get scared. down great notes. Yeah, I mean, I was like, oof, yeah, got me excited. But at the same time, please, like, you know, let's uh, let's take care of those hammies and those ankles, please. That but, water um, looked really shallow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would be our luck. You know, uh, just you know, something silly like that when our when our guys are doing something, you know, working too hard in the off season, because um, that has happened in the you know for other teams in the past. But, uh, yeah, very, very exciting to see the trajectory of some of our young players. Elijah Moore, future superstar, let's put the stamp on it. You know, you can try to debate with us on Jet Nation about that, but, uh, you know, we're pretty stubborn, and we like what we see from Elijah Mm -hmm. Moore. Okay. So, Dylan, um, we're firing through this show here. We got just under 15 minutes left on the clock. Perfect time for us to get into our mock draft 1.0 for 2022. Uh, so this is going to be the format tonight. It's just a, a couple quick picks. We're going to do the first round. We're going to do the second round. Um, you know, it's a little too early to try to, you know, foresee in our crystal balls what all seven rounds are going to be like for the Jets. But at this point in time, Dylan and I have selected particular players with the way the current rosters looking as of today and we feel that this is the route the Jets should go to improve their team and make that jump from the bottom of the basement into a relevant football team. So I wish we had like a drum roll or something I could, you know, cue up here on the soundboard, but, uh, You're right. you know, we could do that. We could do that in our heads, I suppose. So um, I'll kick it off. Um, I'm going to do my first two picks for the first round. Jets have the fourth pick overall. They have the 10th pick overall in this upcoming draft. And, uh, you know, I'm 
I'm consistent. Maybe I'm boring, but Nano Man, are people going to get tired of me talking about Ahmed, Sauce, Gardner, going to the Jets at the four pick? Bring me that lockdown corner. Bring me the cornerback that did not let up any touchdowns in his college career and is an absolute freak of nature when you're talking about a corner that is about 6'3", 190 to 200 pounds. He's got speed. He's got length. Um, you know, he's got a good eye for the football. In his final season in college, he ended up with a few picks, three to be exact, three interceptions, four pass deflections, but quarterbacks did not like throwing toward Ahmad Gardner's way because usually it was going to be an incompletion or a problem. So lock it up at four for me with Sauce Gardner. And then at the number 10 pick, I'm thinking about Robert Sala here, Jermaine Johnson, edge from Florida State University. I really like what this kid brings to the table. I'll give you guys just a little bit of the stats here. Um, his total tackles for a loss, loss in college, um, he had 100 total tackles, 24 and a half were behind the line of scrimmage to go with 18 sacks. He had 11 and a half sacks last year, and on top of that, a couple pass deflections to go with it. I like the versatility of Jermaine Johnson kind of being a stand-up linebacker. He can put his hand in the dirt, a six foot five, 260-pound beast, athletic as they come. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to say he's a speed or a power rush. I think he's got a really good blend, and I like what he brings to the table. I think at the 10th pick, it's an absolute slam dunk. So this one goes out to Robert Sala getting a lockdown corner and another pass rusher to throw in to the trenches with already what's looking to be a pretty stingy group. Dylan, hit us with your picks. All right. So I went a little different. I know you went to defense, so I have to be the polar opposite apparently, and I have to go to offense. At fourth overall, and just to preface this, I didn't use any mock draft simulators. I'm just going off of what I believe could happen as a possibility, not saying it's guaranteed. So at fourth overall, I took Ika McQuanu, the offensive tackle from NC State. Uh, well documented that this guy has just been generating so much buzz around the league. It happened at the Combine when he got to interview. Uh, teams just really fell in love with him, and I've seen him go as high as one in mock drafts. I've seen him fall to either of the Giants picks at five or seven. So I think four, if he's in that sweet spot, if, you know, the top three in the draft goes a little differently than, you know, the majority thinks. I think Ike McQuano has a really good chance of being there, and the Jets really shouldn't pass on him. Um, I talk about it. Don't, don't, you know, do half measures. You have to really over-correct a position rather than take a half measure. So obviously we don't know what happens with Mekhi Becton. We all – especially us here on Jet Nation, we want him to be the guy that he was when he was healthy in his rookie year, getting a Baldi's breakdown of him every single week, Highway 77, get behind him and run. We all want that. But if it doesn't happen, we need to be prepared to not see Connor McDermott on Sundays. So Ike McQuanu, if he's the third tackle going into the season, truthfully, I'm okay with that. We needed three tackles last year. We needed really four, five, six tackles with all the depth that we lost. So Ike McQuanu, I would – be really hard to pass up on Thibodeau at this pick, I'll be honest. So if they're both there, I'll be happy at e with either one, but I had to go with Quanu. Um At 10 overall, 
Again, I stuck with offense again. Jamison Williams, wide receiver from Alabama. And everybody's going to be like, oh, he tore his ACL in January. He's not going to be ready. And that's fine. I still think the second he steps on that field for whatever team, it's going to be just electric. He has so much speed. He's 6'1", 180 at the Combine. So, obviously, he's not going to play at 180. I think it'll be closer to, like, 187, 190, possibly even a little bit higher. I'm not quite sure. But he obviously lost weight not being able to work out from the ACL injury. So, Jamison Williams, his speed is well-documented. Um, I think Alabama, quite frankly, would have had a much better time in the national championship if he played that whole game. I think he was on pace for, like, 170 yards. It was something ridiculous. So, Jamison Williams is, is my guy. Uh, Garrett Wilson, also my guy here. But I think his skill set, uh, speaking about Wilson, I think Garrett Wilson's skill set is too much like Elijah Moore's where the Jets will go after something different. And I think the Tyreek Hill trade kind of confirmed that for me, that they want a speed guy, even though Elijah Moore does have speed. But Jamison Williams is different speed. So those are my picks. Ike McQuanu, Jamison Williams. Yeah, you got to love it. I mean, you're talking about – bringing in another guy that can help, you know, the offense, keep everything stable, um, another body to go into the offensive line here, you know, does make a little bit of a conundrum as far as, you know, how this roster is going to pan out, um, you know, having that much talent at the tackle position and things like that, just really, really intriguing. And uh, I know a lot of people are very, very high on Icky. And um, I know Jameson Williams was, uh, you know, some people concerned about, you know, his health um, and his injury status, but, uh, you know, you want to talk about somebody that can absolutely fly, um, you know, probably going to be one of the more electric players when he gets to the next level. So very, very exciting Mm -hmm. there. Okay. So moving to the second round, Um, this one, I'm a little bit more balanced. Uh, I'm still thinking about Robert Sala and our defense here. Um, at number 35 and number 38, those are our two second-round picks. Uh, Jets have four in the top 40. That's why this draft is going to be so exciting for this team. Uh, so for number 35, um, somebody I've talked about a few weeks ago, Alabama linebacker Christian Harrison. Um, you know, get another um, Alabama kid to go with our former um, Alabama Roll Tide guy, C.J. Mosley. You got two Bama backers, you know, one a little bit near the end of his career, one starting it off. I really would like to see the two of them come together. The athleticism is there. I think, you know, Harris can bring that sideline-to-sideline ability. Uh, You know, one thing that stood out to me, out of the 80 tackles that he had last season, 11 and a half, excuse me, were behind the um, line of scrimmage for a loss and he also added five-and-a-half sacks to go with that. So really, really like, um, you know, Christian Harris and the athleticism. I think he did pretty, pretty good last year, and everything that I've heard from him is that he's going to be, you know, probably an elite-style linebacker. Um, Jets definitely need help in that department. I love what Quincy Williams brings for a run defense, but I think that, you know, when you need somebody that, can pick up a running back or pick up a tight end in a pinch or drop back in the zone and, you know, still have good game speed. I think Christian Harris brings that to the table. My other pick, um, you know, on some people's radars, not on everyone's radar, um, that's the number one wide receiver 
from North Dakota State University. Um, this is the guy that played with Trey Lance a couple years ago. Um, I'm talking about Christian Watson, the six foot five, 210 pound wide receiver. The guy can absolutely fly. Uh, what he brings as far as stature, being a big body wide receiver, being able to, um, you know, take the, uh, you know, the, the top of the defense off. Absolutely love it. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, would be a slam dunk pick. Um, and what he would bring with our wide receiver group, I think it makes our offense absolutely dynamic. Um, to give you guys a little bit of what he's capable of doing, in 2019 he averaged 21 yards a catch. In 2020 he averaged 24 yards a catch. His most recent season was about 18.6 yards a catch. His career is about 18 to 19 yards, so you can see that he's got that, you know, deep down the field um, kind of presence going on here. And, uh, yeah, I really, really love what Christian Watson can bring to the table. Uh, so that would be my pick, my two picks, Christian Harris and uh, uh, Christian Watson. I guess there's a theme there for me as well. <laughs> that is funny. I didn't even notice that. Even as I read it, I didn't notice that it was two Christians. But I think those picks are great. I mean, whenever you can get a linebacker that runs a four-four-four and a wide receiver that's 6-4 and runs a 4 3 six, and they both broad jump 11 feet. I think that's, you know, speed and explosiveness that this roster is significantly lacking. I haven't done my deep dive on Christian Harris, but I did on Watson because he was at the senior bowl. But I have a hard time thinking that Christian Watson is going to fall outside of my top five linebackers this year, to be honest. And if he's even number three behind Dean and Lloyd, I wouldn't be surprised either. His game is just so fun to watch. Um, I was surprised. I thought I was waiting for the offensive player to come. And there it is. So everybody that was like, where's the offense? You guys can take a deep breath. And now with my mock draft, everybody's screaming, where's the defense? I have it right here. I have two edge, uh, two defensive players going at 35 and 38. Um, at 35, I took Boy Mafe from Minnesota. This is kind of a questionable pick for me. I don't know if he necessarily gets there to this pick. He's generating a lot of buzz. As most of these edge guys are, I tweeted it out a few weeks ago that I think we could see edge players going in the first round. So that's a quarter of the ed the first round alone. Um, so Boy Mafe might not be here, but I also tweeted out that I, uh, the value of the Jets' two second-round picks is the equivalent to the 15th overall pick. So if they wanted to package 35 and 69 or 117 or whatever we have in the fourth round and move up to the late one, I still wouldn't be surprised or mad at, at it either way. So Boy Mafe is my guy. He's a senior bowl player who kind of exploded at the senior bowl. Not many people were talking about him until that week. And he, he's very explosive, ran a four, five, three forty, a 38 inch vertical. And he's six, three, two sixty one. So he's right in that kind of tweener of a outside linebacker in a three, four and a four, three D end. I think if you add like seven more pounds with his first step explosiveness, hand in the dirt, he could, he could definitely play alongside Carl Lawson. And, yes, it's not a top-flight edge guy like Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Walker, Jermaine Johnson, but I think if you can get 80% of the player out of, you know, in, in a later round that you could in you know, round one, I think it's worth it. So, Boy Mafe is my guy. And then at 38, I picked Daxton Hill, a safety from Michigan. Um, I know a lot of people aren't really on the let's-go-get-a-safety wave early especially, but – when all you have right now is LaMarcus Joyner and Ashton Davis and then a couple of depth rotational guys behind him, including a corner turned safety in his second year, 
I think you really need to hit the position early. They lost Marcus May, obviously, and he was a big piece. Uh, we saw when he went down against the Colts that the defense kind of took a hit. The safeties were taking bad angles in the run game. They were getting burnt over the top. So Daxton Hill does a little bit of all of that. He's rangy. He's fast. He can play man-to-man in the slot. He's really a matchup-type player, but he's very rangy, and I think that's what sold me on him the most. I was really falling hard for Jalen Petrie out of Baylor at the Senior Bowl, and then I throw on Daxton Hill because everybody's talking about him, and and I just saw a little bit more out of him than I saw in Jalen Petrie. So I think safety is a need personally on this team. I think they're very important in the defense. So Daxton Hill being versatile but more of a free safety type of guy, I think that intrigues me a lot. You know, that that is, you know, a very, very uh, interesting, you know, scheme, the way you put that up, doing the two offense right off the bat, um, addressing the defense in the second round, still getting premier mm-hmm. players and positions that, uh, you know, that are still, you know, question marks here. Uh, we like some of the guys that we've brought in um, for the secondary. Um, but, you know, you, we have to think, you know, did we buy the stock when it's at its peak and now it's going to digress or is it going to continue to rise? Um, that's one of the biggest questions I've had with these free agent acquisitions. If you notice, Conklin had a career year. Uzama had a career year. Whitehead, the same. DJ Reed, the same. So uh, the Jets are buying in on players that are, you know, reaching that prime window. You know, did we miss that window or are we hitting it at the right time? So these are things that we'll, we will see this year once they deploy you know, their starting lineups, and, uh, you know, the speculation is gone, and now we get to see what it really looks like on Sunday. So I definitely um, like the way you set up your mock draft there, addressing big deeds, um, getting young players for the long-term future. You know, at the end of the day, I think you could go – easily could go my way, and we could easily – you know, be a little bit more balanced with the way that you had your uh, mock draft structured. So, you know, this is exciting. Um, we've officially kicked off um, what will be draft month, um, April 1st on uh, this Friday. So, uh, yeah, we are here, and it's just going to continue to get more and more exciting as the weeks go by. Dylan, I think uh, this oh, yeah. was a good show here, um, a little bit over 45 tonight. And, uh, yeah, we got into some good topics. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, excited that we got this in. Um, Looking forward to doing our future show with Glenn. We just got to, uh, you know, all get on the same page here and uh, square away some time so that we could go ahead and uh, get Glenn's thoughts on what he thinks is the best for this New York Jets team. So, uh, everybody, please don't forget, to uh, go to JetNation.com. You can download our app. Um, Not going to cost you nothing. Uh, Number one fan forum NFL. I'm sorry, NFL fan forum. Oh, man, I botched that one big time. So I guess we'll have to put that in on my bloopers there. Uh, But still go to JetNation.com either way, uh, because if you're a Jets fan, don't miss out. Um, Would also like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Mile Socials and uh, for everything that they do for us here. I don't want to forget about them. If you're a business owner and you're looking to improve your social media status, go to milesocial.com and see what they can do for your business today. 
Dylan, any uh, parting words or last thoughts before we uh, close out tonight? Yeah, I mean, that was that was exciting. I'm really glad that we're diving into these mock drafts. I try to hold off as long as I can because I don't like to just, you know, burn myself out of mock drafts like 100.7 by, you know, March 30th. So I'm glad that we're dipping our toes in the water with a little two-round mock. Um, you yep. said it, go check out Jet, go check out Jet Nation. Uh, I don't know about Glenn specifically. We talked about it. But on Friday, I'll be putting out one, maybe two, of, of my first uh, prospect profiles. I'm planning on doing nice. positions that we took, potentially players that we took in this mock draft. You'll have to wait and see, but uh, I'm, I'm probably going to end up putting out two. I have to finish writing them up, but they'll be coming. I'm hoping to put out at least two a week up until the draft, so it'll be about 10 players total. I have more. If you guys need to, you know, tweet at me at Dylan Terman, we can go back and forth on prospects. So I'm excited to get it out there, and, and hopefully – Glenn and I, you know, we don't double up on prospects, but if we do, then you, hey, you have more perspective on players. So I think that's what's fun about the draft, too, is everybody's perspective is a little different. So you get a little bit of uh, everybody's um, perspective on it, and Glenn and I don't see eye-to-eye on the draft all, all the time. We do with most players, but I think it, it's going to be fun. So check out uh, JetNation.com. Stay, stay with us, and we'll have all the draft content. Awesome. All right. This is Alex Ferralo and Dylan Terriman signing off. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, have a great week and uh, a better weekend, and we will see you uh, possibly sooner than later, but if not, next Tuesday, 6.30 p.m., Jet Nation Radio. Everybody, be safe, have fun, and as always, let's go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23 and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!